God to encounter love that sets us free. Together, we practice courage in resisting evil and rejecting the temptations of complicity and complacency. Our faith is placed in love eternal that lifts broken spirits and brings new life from places of ruin. With hope that is neither narrow nor fragile, we come to follow Christ.
seated. Remember that our Lord Jesus can sympathize with us in our weakness, since in every respect he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with boldness approach the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us confess our sins against God and against our neighbor. Holy God, hear our prayer for the mending of our hearts torn apart by our unkindness, for the healing of our souls wasting away from the despair around us, for the forgiveness we seek for the sin we have allowed to persist, for the reconciliation of the world whose division condemns us. We pray for the courage to admit our fault, the strength to amend our actions, and the hope that your grace awaits us. Through Christ we pray, amen. Friends, believe the good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Good morning, everyone. And welcome to worship at Fourth Presbyterian Church on this 12th Sunday after Pentecost. Reflecting our Creator's warm embrace of all who are created in God's own image, I invite you to turn and greet your neighbors in sharing the peace of Christ with them in whatever manner of greeting feels most comfortable and respectful. And for those who join us online, we hope you'll take the time to let us know you're with us, whether by using the QR code on your screen or in the link below your video. We extend a warm welcome to you as well. So, beloved, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And the peace continues to reside in our hearts. Amen. We encourage you to take a moment to look through the closing pages of your bulletin for a variety of ways to grow in knowledge, faith, and discipleship, to serve among those in need of food, clothing, shelter, and companionship, to build relationships among a dynamic group of people and to celebrate the gifts of creativity and musical expression.
We hope you'll take a few moments to find and fill out the pew pads, whether you are in person or also digitally. And I will, as you are doing that and passing that to your neighbor, if you're joining us in the sanctuary, take a few moments to highlight a few things of note in your bulletins. There is faith, hope, and love, and there is also free pizza today. Following worship in the sanctuary, those who are here are invited to join the Stephen Ministry in the Borwell Conference Center for a lunch and learn, where you can learn more about how Stephen Ministry unfolds in our midst. You'll hear voices of those who give care, who are Stephen ministers. You'll hear from those who have received care and consented to share their stories with us, breaking the seal of confidentiality for the sake of invitation and welcome and insight. You're welcome to join us, whether you wish to actually become a Stephen minister, if you're Stephen minister curious, uh, or if you happen to think you may know somebody who could either benefit from a caring relationship, uh, or you may think uh, you may yourself. Or if you don't know what any of it is, come, all are welcome. We are so thankful to those who, so very many of those who have already participated, and we continue to request that you please complete the long-range planning survey, which can be found online. And you can find that link in your bulletin, and there will also be an information table during coffee hour. And for those of you who have already filled out the survey, if you would like to add written comments, we encourage you to do so using the additional comment link that's also printed in your bulletin. Now, the deadline for all written comments and for surveys is this coming Thursday, August the 24th at 5 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Your input is vital to helping us to know who we are as a congregation today and discerning who God is calling us to be. I also encourage you to mark your calendar, September 10th specifically, the festive day when we kick off our autumn programming to gather for our Get Connected festivities and neighborhood block party and when our worship schedule will change to the 9.30 and 11 a.m. services with the 9.30 a.m. service to be live streamed and available for viewing at any time after that. And also when our afternoon service will resume at a new time with a new name, the gathering, two o'clock communion. That afternoon service will also be held here in the sanctuary and live streamed. You can read more about all of this in your worship bulletin and in our weekly email newsletter. And now let us continue to worship God together.
Let us pray. O oh God, by your Holy Spirit, tell us what we need to hear and show us what we ought to do to follow Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah 56, verses 1 and 6 through 8. Listen now for God's word to us. Thus says the Lord, maintain justice and do what is right, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God, who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them besides those already gathered. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Gospel reading today is from the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning in chapter 15 at verse 21. Listen for what God may be saying to the church this day. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered them, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed from that moment. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. This week I was sitting in one of our beautiful Chicago parks reading at a picnic table. At a nearby picnic table, the next one over, a couple of families ate together while their young children played around them. 
At one point, the oldest girl, who was probably about seven, came over to me and asked if she could show me her flowers. I said, sure. She had a handful of leaves that all had scalloped edges. They did look like flowers. I admired them, and she offered one to me. I said thank you and accepted it. She told me I should keep it secret and put it under my pillow. I assured her I would do so. She looked at me a little more and then took a few steps back and said, I'm not supposed to talk to strangers. I nodded and said, that's true. Then she asked, are you a stranger? I knew right away, of course, that she had been taught about stranger danger. I didn't want to frighten her, and I didn't want to make her feel more comfortable speaking to strangers in general. So I said, yes, I am a stranger because we don't know each other. She nodded and kept looking at me and said, are you dangerous? <laughs> now you can see the problem with this question right away. If I was a danger to her, I would not tell her that I was. But if I told her that I wasn't dangerous, would that encourage her to trust other strangers? She was trying to learn how to be cautious and who to trust. I encouraged her to go and play by her family and leave me to do my reading, thereby sidestepping the question about whether or not I was dangerous. She went closer to her family, I made eye contact with her parents, and I continued to contemplate her questions. Are you a stranger? And are you dangerous? These are questions that humans often ask, even without saying those words. We look around and try to discern whether and where we are safe. Who are the people that we can trust? Unfortunately, it's not clear-cut. Sometimes we can trust strangers, and sometimes the people who are closest to us betray us and hurt us. As I thought about this, I realized that Jesus is confronted with a similar question in his encounter with the Canaanite woman. This desperate mother comes to him, and at first he completely ignores her. She is not his people, he thinks. She is a stranger. When his disciples are bothered by her insistent shouts, he tells his disciples that his ministry, his care, his healing, is only for the sheep, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. At this point, he still hasn't even addressed her directly, although likely she has heard him. It's only when she kneels before him and calls him Lord that he answers her directly, and this time he wraps his comment in an insulting metaphor, essentially calling her a dog and denying her even crumbs of what he is offering. This is not the compassionate, loving Jesus that we know and love. It's very uncomfortable to think of Jesus being exclusionary in this way. And some preachers and scholars have tried to soften his words by saying that it wasn't as bad as it sounds. He didn't really call her a dog. He called her a little dog, which is kind of like calling her a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> or 
Or some have said that although it sounds rough to our ears, she understood that it was really loving because in her Canaanite culture, they did keep beloved pets who were fed from the table. Some have suggested that Jesus knew all along that he would heal her daughter, but he used the encounter with her as a teaching moment for his disciples so they would hear her plea and see Jesus appear to change so they too would have their hearts opened to her and to others like her. Whether or not Jesus knew in advance that he would help her, the Canaanite woman had to face down his silence first and then his insult. She persisted. She believed in herself. She believed in her inherent worth and value. Some may be bothered, I know I have at times, that she uses the language that Jesus puts out, agreeing, it seems, that she and her child are like dogs. But she clearly does not agree because she takes Jesus' words and logic and uses them against him. She persists in seeking healing that her daughter needs and deserves. She uses her wit to resist being put down. And yet, she also demonstrates a respect for Jesus, calling him Lord, kneeling before him. She demonstrates a respect for Jesus that does not imply a disrespect for herself. She respects herself Two, we all need that kind of mutual respect. This week, I had the great good fortune of participating in the Parliament of the World's Religions. The Episcopal News Service reported that as of Monday afternoon, more than 6,500 attendees from 95 countries and 212 spiritual traditions had registered for the Parliament with more attending online. The Parliament of the World's Religions was first held in Chicago in 1893, and then again on the 100th anniversary in 1993. Since then, it's been held about every three years in different countries around the world. A foundational goal of the Parliament is to bring people together from different faiths to build understanding and relationships between us so that we can work together for the common good. This week, as I reflected on the Canaanite woman's belief in her own inherent value and worth, I also experienced that in a religious practice of the Sikh community. That's spelled S-I-K-H, and it's properly pronounced Sikh. I used to think it was pronounced Sikh, but the community is called the Sikh community and the religion is called Sikhism. A core practice in their tradition is called the Langar. The word means open kitchen, and the Langar is a community meal offered to any and all people who come. At the parliament and at a number of prior par parliaments, the global Sikh community has come together to offer free and open langar meals to thousands of people every day of the conference. 
On Monday, the first day of the parliament, the lines for the meal were long and it was pouring rain. The meals were served in a large tent outside McCormick Place, so we had to walk briefly through the rain to get there. As we entered the large white tent in batches of 30 to 50 people, we honored Sikh tradition by removing our shoes and placing them in numbered bookshelves. We sat in folding chairs first, in front of Sikh women who tied a simple scarf around everyone's head, men and women alike. And then we were guided by other volunteers who offered their hospitality and kindness with warm smiles, showing us where to sit on the floor in long lines, all facing the same direction so that we could be served. Every aspect of the meals has a significance. We all sit together on the floor to indicate our equality with each other, regardless of religion, caste, color, creed, age, gender, or social status. Dr. Tarunjit Singh Butalia, a board trustee of the Sikh Council for Interfaith Relations of the Parliament, explains the Langar in an article about the 2018 Parliament, which happened in Toronto. The tradition of the Langar, Dr. Butalia writes, quote, expresses the Sikh ethics of sharing, community, inclusiveness, and the oneness of humankind. He explains that, quote, six do not believe in charity because charity assumes inequality between the giver and the receiver. Instead, the faith encourages sharing fruits of honest labor with others as equals. The Lungar institution represents sharing, not charity, and is to be a simple meal, not a feast, end quote. The simple meal that we received was a South Indian-style vegetarian meal of rice and lentils, curried vegetables, naan bread, yogurt, a simple dessert, and a mango yogurt sweet drink called a mango lassi. The meal was prepared by volunteers, and we were served by volunteers who understood their service to be holy work. We sat in long rows and were served from big pots with large ladles and the servers kept coming around to offer us more of each thing until we were full. There were hundreds of us sitting on the floor and eating at the same level, the same food, at the same time. When we were finished, I said to my friends and colleagues, I feel like I've just eaten love. Dr. Butalia described it this way. He said, quote, people open their hearts over food. As we share food with strangers, we share our hearts too. What better way to bring down the barriers between us than sharing a simple meal with people of many or no faiths, end quote. Many things happened at the week-long parliament of the world religions. But the Langar meals resonated with me so powerfully. The meals demonstrated sharing, not charity, mutual respect and honor, opening hearts, and generosity through abundant simplicity. And it made me think of the Canaanite woman who came to Jesus, insisting on her own inherent worth and value, 
expecting to be treated as such, trusting in Jesus' ultimate capacity to see her humanity, whether he saw it right away or not. She presented herself and her daughter in their honest vulnerability and need, approaching Jesus with mutual respect. I like to think that her open heart opened his heart when, with her self-respecting wit, she turned his words back on him, surprising him into saying, Woman, great is your faith. She had faith in him, and she had faith in herself. We can learn from her, a Canaanite woman, who perhaps came from the area of Phoenicia and Carthage in North Africa, or perhaps from the Syrian region of Phoenicia. And we can learn from the Sikh community, who have been serving and sharing langar meals with thousands, probably hundreds of thousands now, since their founder, Guru Nanak, offered the first langar meal to a hungry community in 15th century Punjab in South Asia. As the Langar meal demonstrates and reiterates again and again, we are one humanity. We just need to keep learning and practicing how to act like we are. Discernment is necessary. Every person is not trustworthy, and every stranger is not dangerous. How do we figure it out? The girl that I met in the park this week had a conversation with her mom that I only partly overheard. Yes, she is a stranger, her mom said, but that doesn't mean that she is dangerous. And so this youngster's education continues. How will she know? How will she discern? How will she grow over time? And we have the same questions. Granted, many of us have more experience now than she has, but we have the same questions. Are you a stranger? Are you dangerous? We are strangers, I had told the young girl, because we don't know each other. What happened at the Parliament of World Religions is that some of us who were strangers now know each other a little bit more. And when I meet someone wearing the distinctive turban that is worn by someone who practices the Sikh religion, I will think of the langar meals that made me feel that I had eaten love. Some of our work as disciples of Christ is turning strangers into friends and being trustworthy ourselves so that we can say to more and more people, we are no longer strangers and you can count on me. Great is the faith, the persistence, and the mutual respect, self-respect and respect for the one she encountered in Jesus. Great is that faith demonstrated by the unnamed Canaanite woman. We are one humanity, all equal in inherent worth and value, each human created in the image of our Creator God. May we learn that lesson and live into that truth. Amen.
let us remain standing and affirm what we believe using words from a brief statement of faith. Let us join together. We trust in God, the Holy Spirit, everywhere the giver and renewer of life. The Spirit justifies us by grace through faith, sets us free to accept ourselves and to love God and neighbor, and binds us together with all believers in one body of Christ the Church. The same Spirit who inspired the prophets and apostles rules our faith and life in Christ through Scripture, engages us through the word proclaimed, claims us in the waters of baptism, and feeds us with the bread of life and the cup of salvation, and calls women and men to all ministries of the church. Amen. Please be seated. And let us pray together. Holy God, cre creator of life, we pause this day to give you thanks. Yes, we give thanks for our very lives, for the generosity of light that beams from the sun, from the canopy of stars that shine above us, that beam out from the faces of children and the beaming life of elders. We pause to give thanks this day, yes. And we also come to you, O oh God, with hope, a daring hope that looks beyond the dimness of this world, the reasonable hope that often we hold, to the astonishing and awakening hope that defies our wildest imaginings. For your charge, most holy one, is to ask and we will receive, and this is grounded in a world awakening hope. We pray this day for all on this vast earth home who are, who are displaced by environmental calamity, for our kin in Maui as they lean on our generosity while seeking to find places to call home. For those in Ohio who are still suffering from a chemical spill of weeks ago. For those in war-torn parts of this world. For those who are caught in national struggles that send them running away in fear. We know that there are many who dwell on the far shore of life with fear upset living with wandering uncertainty. We also pray this day for those who might be in our lives, who are students, who may be far from home for the first time in colleges and universities or serving in the armed forces. They may be hiding their homesickness or fearing they won't stack up with others. Bring peace and comfort to them, O oh God. We also pray for the older members of our community or those facing infirmity who long to be in the beauty of this sanctuary but are simply unable to make their way here. May they know that they are with us through the power of your spirit. We pray also for neighbors, whether across the street or across this vast globe, 
who are teaching us how to love you, O God, and who love us and long to let us know. For these we are ever grateful. We pray for those who grieve, for those who are ill, for those who are depressed, for those who wonder if anyone cares, O God. Weave us into your beloved community of hope, of love, of deep and unwavering care to those in such need, and also in the needs we carry this day, Most Holy Spirit. And we pause briefly to bring those to you in the quiet of these moments. Call us this day, O God, to bold action on behalf of those who are afraid or alone or stumbling among us. And remind us to be kind, to truly listen to one another, and to listen for your still, small, and at times urgent voice to us. And may all of this be done to your glory, honor, and majesty, Jesus Christ, for it is in your name that we pray this prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Today and each Sunday, we respond to the word of God read, preached, prayed, and proclaimed by the act of giving, by our stewardship. We give because we have received so much, and we also give because we know we are better together when we give, when we join one another in giving to this, the needs of this world and the needs of this particular congregation. And so we invite you to place your offering in the plates as they are passed or go to our Venmo app and give that way. And all of you both in person and online can give through our church's website link. And so today, give with deep and breathless capacity. Our morning offering will now be received.
join together in the prayer of dedication. Great and bountiful Creator, we give thanks for the gift of life you have given to us. It is our deepest privilege to share a portion of our livelihood as it reaches the least, the lost, and the lonely in our midst. May all we do bring your holy realm of love and care into this world. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Make strangers into friends. Be trustworthy. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. 
Return no person evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the suffering. Honor all people, love and serve the Lord our God, rejoicing in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And may God bless you and keep you. May God make God's face to shine upon you. May God be gracious to you and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen.